Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us here on the program. We are here every Sunday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Oh, man, but you get a whole week's worth from 8 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. I hope you'll join us. It's interesting. I'm on six instead of seven days a week, but that's okay. I've got five, six, uh, nine... Nine programs in any given week, but I also have podcasts, hundreds of them, I kid you not, hundreds, plural, on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. And I have um, a few hundred video casts on YouTube. I hope that you'll subscribe and select notification so that when a new conversation is posted, you'll be notified. And also, if you'd like to support the work that we are doing financially, we have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. Just put in my email address, richard at richarddugan.com, and it will come to me. Uh, it will come to the Tell Me Your Story financial um, account, and we will use that to take care of what needs to be taken care of to keep this program going. We also ask that, and this may be an interesting subject to throw into the mix for today's program with our special guest, Ask that you participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision. And uh, this is the first time I'm sure my guest has heard of this, uh, where we ask you to go within. Sit quietly, peacefully in that quiet, still, calm, peaceful place that, believe it or not, no one else can get to. Okay? No, I don't care how. Google Maps ain't going to find it. Only you can go there. And spend time listening to that still, small voice. I know that um, over the years, as I have... Uh, as I have lost, uh, at least in the physical, certain uh, family members and dear friends, especially recently, my best friend, Doug, and my uh, father uh, back in March and May, respectively, or May and March, actually, respectively. I, um, I think about my best friend and all I can do is laugh because we had so much fun. I get impressions from my father, which is pretty cool. And maybe we'll bring that up in the subject matter we're going to talk about today. And the subject matter we're going to talk about today, I could have swore we were done with this back in the late 80s and 90s. But apparently, uh, our very special guest, Dr. Frida Birnbaum, research psychologist, psychoan a psychoanalytics therapist, uh, and seasoned media communicator, as well as author, and we'll tell you tell you about the books in just a moment, is joining us here on the program. Uh, first of all, welcome to the program. And second of all, it feels like a rerun. Are we doing this again, or has it really never left? Thanks for being with us. It's always a rerun. We're always trying to do something again. We never really get it, but we're going to keep trying. Well, it's great to have you here to talk about this because uh, it is important because it is keeping folks from, in essence, as we, we talk about this on the program all the time, about finding and living out their life's purpose because they're stuck in this codependent situation. And it can be with pretty much anybody in the world, right? Absolutely. You know, people recognize who we are. And I'm saying we because I'm one of those people. I was laughing when I was looking at this. I said, boy, this looks familiar. So you're talking about we are rehashing it again. And 
And yes, it keeps coming back and uh, we keep doing it. And uh, we have to be reminded uh, that what we're doing is not really the right thing to do, although we think it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have to undo our thoughts. And am, our- I, am I correct that one of the <laughs> first stepping stones into codependency, at least as I have experienced it, as well as observed it uh, back when I was in my 20s and 30s, uh, the first the first place that a lot of people start is victimhood. And it's like back in 2015, we went back to victimhood again. I said the same thing. What? We're doing this again? No, I, I, re- I refuse to participate in victimhood. Uh, and then somehow, and when, as I went through these different programs in my 20s and 30s, uh, we shifted into that, out of that, taking responsibility, but still having this issue with codependency. First of all, Define for those who are not familiar with the term, especially folks who probably uh, were born after the year 2000, uh, what, uh, what is codependency? What's the dynamic? Basically, it's about people who don't have boundaries. Uh, they have difficulty saying no. Uh, they feel that rejection on both sides is going to do harm to one person or the other, and they feel responsibility that that person's going to suffer uh, if they don't uh, say yes. So they have this concept of having to be the caretaker always. And that's what codependency is really all about. Mm. Now, we have a lot of caregivers in the world today because a vast majority, especially in this country, uh, are getting older. I mean, uh, I am on the cusp, apparently, of the baby boomer generation. I mean, I just, I, I just squeaked under the wire. Apparently, I was born in 1960. I don't know. Maybe the the cutoff is is another year or two. I don't I don't know exactly when baby boomers stopped being what the year was when they weren't baby boomers anymore. And I don't know what the next generation was, which drives a lot of us crazy trying to figure out who's Who's what? You know what I'm saying? But um, I'm curious as to um, the, 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 the this process that we take ourselves through uh, into this phase of codependency. Uh, but is a caregiver prone to becoming codependent or maybe it's the one who's being cared for? And again, we'll we'll extract the um, mental issues of Alzheimer's and dementia and those types of things, because folks who are in that phase of their lives, unfortunately, they uh, they're not here, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they don't have I don't think they have the capacity to be co- to to be codependent. But is that something that is an issue with uh, in, in our society with all of these caregivers, is that uh, is a caregiver prone to that or prone yeah. to being a part of that dynamic? It's true. It's both, actually. You know, when uh, somebody's gaslighting you and making you feel as if uh, they're going to be abusive in some way, I'm telling you about physically, uh, emotionally. So you're both playing the game back and forth. You know, don't do anything wrong. I'll take. I'll be there for you. So there's a fear factor involved. 
and then there's a guilt involved as well uh, with the person that is the martyr or the person who is the victim, as you say. Uh, you know, victims uh, want people to be there for them, feel sorry for me, uh, do something, help me. So it goes back and forth, and they're both entangled uh, with each other. I mean, you need one to have the other, mm -hmm. uh, one person to be receptive to to this kind of treatment, and it perpetuates itself into adulthood, into uh, going on on your own and uh, having your own life and the chains of generational change keep going and going until you break those chains. So yes, it's something that's not uncommon, pretty common actually. Mm. So, um, you know, as I, as I was saying the, and, and honestly, I, I didn't play the victim for very long. I mean, it might've been a, a week to 10 days back in the late seventies. Uh, I was bullied through school but I didn't play the victim. Oh my gosh, look what they're doing to me. I learned how to run. I did really well in track and field. So I took responsibility for my own personal safety <laughs> by running. Um, I And I didn't, like I said, I didn't play the victim. But when I got out of high school, after I graduated, I took six months off. And um, I basically said, the state labeled me. I was born, uh, by the way, legally blind. The state labeled me legally blind. They did this to me. That, like I said, lasted maybe a week to 10 days. And I began to realize that, you know what? I could either spend the rest of my days living with my parents, which I don't think would have gone over, gone over too well. Or I can do something. And I decided to go to junior college. I had a blast and that's where my broadcasting career started. Actually. Do you find in your practice and in the, in the people that you uh, come in contact with your clients, I guess, I, I don't know whether I should refer to them as patients or clients, whatever. They're both, they're both the same. Um, I should, obviously you have people who come to you who are in various, uh, in different places and phases in this process. Is the end result that we're trying to uh, work towards, and sometimes we, we, yeah, we do have to do it over and over again sometimes before we really get it. We're, we're striving towards interdependentism, as I have coined the phrase, interdependentism, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, you know, that's the end product. But we're so torn, you know, we're the, either the rescuers that we go in one direction, we feeling sorry for, we take care of, which I have done in my childhood with my parents who are Holocaust survivors, or we're takers and we're used to being pampered and, as you say, victimized. Poor me, uh, do everything you can for me. So it goes back and forth, back and forth. So we're caught in this web here mm. of giving and taking. And then what's interesting is that that's why I was laughing about this this morning. So, wait a minute, this is me. <laughs> so then we <laughs> somebody and we repeat the same thing. So I found a wonderful person who I felt needed me. I put him through law school. I helped him with his parents. I did therapy on him. It was I was just very comfortable. I found somebody who needed to be taken care of. So that was my comfort zone. Mm. And uh, has he really changed that much? Not really, because he has been comfortable with his role and who he was in his family. So that's very hard 
to uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. But yes, you know, when we go back to this, what is the best place to be? To be centered, to be able to say, wait a minute, what about me? What about my own self-esteem? I found personally, when I took care of myself, I accomplished much more in a very short time than I did taking care of anybody else. So it was like almost like fruitless to do that. But then I felt sorry for my parents. I felt sorry for my mother. I spent all my money on her. Uh, it made her feel better. I put aside what I was doing till later on. Or I was told I couldn't do what I wanted to do. So I listened to that. And that took me years to get to who I was. That's why I'm in the media now. I've got my PhD. I received my PhD. I I did everything I was supposedly supposed to do. And I was, and I still am a wonderful uh, therapist for sure. I think, well, I've been told I am anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think, whatever, uh, all that stuff. But then to be able to fight and get out of that pattern is not easy. And often in a relationship, when you change, and that's part of my research, what happens to a housewife when she becomes a professional, which was talking about me, you know, divorce happens because people can't really feel comfortable with a new set of rules. But if you can persevere, it's better than ever because you become yourself and become accepting of the other person. And you, as you know, if your partner's happy, uh, you're happy. So that's a very complex uh, role in life. Some people stay stuck, as you used the word before, stuck with what was given to them. And some people say, wait a minute, and it's very difficult. I don't want to be a victim and I don't want to be a giver. I don't want to be somebody who's a martyr. And I remember once I was called martyr and I said, really, am I a martyr? Ooh, that doesn't sound right. Uh, I don't want to be a martyr. So we get caught and we don't even realize uh, that we're doing it. And then the people that we're doing it for say, why not? You know, go ahead, do everything for me. I'll sit back, I'll relax and it'll be great. So you have to be able to know that everybody else else out there has their own agenda. You have to follow your heart of what is right. You can't, it's like taking somebody and saying, take the wheel from me. Uh, you can drive. Well, no, their timing is different. My husband took the wheel from me. We got into an accident. I don't know why he did that. <laughs> I guess he didn't feel I was competent <laughs> enough to drive or whatever happened. He says, oh, no, you have to go this way. And we swerved into another car. So you can't really drive for anybody else. You have to uh, have your own pace, your own insight. Otherwise, you're never going to get where you want to go. Nobody knows who you are. He, he actually he actually grabbed the steering wheel. He was a passenger. I was driving. Wow. He took the wheel and went right into another car. He says, wait, wait, you're going to go into that? No. I knew what I was doing. My timing was my timing. It's like when you're driving and someone says, oh, get out of traffic or make a left. I'm, my time is I'm going to do it when I'm ready. So, yes. So we got into an accident. So mm. nobody really knows your own pace. No one can know how you're driving your car emotionally, uh, you know, except it's you. So this is a hard lesson. And you said, boy, we're still at this again. It's so hard to take away, you know, the essence of who you are, yeah. of how you see yourself. And yeah. it's so negative. Oh, you mean I'm not going to be a caretaker? Oh, then I'm not a good person. 
you know, I'm not somebody who uh, is unconditional. I'm not going to be liked. I'm going to be dropped. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to feel guilty. All these things come into play when you change your own role. It's very painful. Yeah. You know, I was going through this list of points um, in regards to uh, someone who is, uh, you know, dealing with the issue of codependency in their lives and the relationships that they have. And what I saw was uh, someone who is uh, codependent has has a lack of self-esteem and se- sense of self of, of self-worth or self chronic anxiety, um, people pleasing, conflict avoidance, and as well as denial, a compulsion to fix other people or situations, the fear of abandonment and rejection, uh, difficulty uh, enforcing uh, boundaries, and uh, repeating the unhealthy behavior from uh, the home in romantic and platonic relationships. And of course the list goes on here. And I, I thought, okay, uh, no, I, I think I have pretty good self-esteem. I'm good there. Don't really have any anxiety. Um, I don't like conflict. I, I do everything I can to, to minimize the drama. There is enough drama in the world. I just, I don't need any more. I am a fixer from the standpoint, for example, that if, uh, for example, my wife, who is uh, is is permanently disabled, uh, has to have paperwork filled out, I will do that because she is challenged by that. It gives that gives her anxiety having to fill out those kinds of forms. Um, I don't have a fear of abandonment or rejection. Um, boundaries, yeah, well. I don't really have any like on this program. I mean, I, I share me and I do my very best not to share anybody else's story. Cause it, that's not my story to tell. Um, so then there's the repeated uh, repeating of the unhealthy behavior from home and romantic and platonic relationships. You know, that, that one's a tough one, but I mean, I don't know, maybe that's two out of six or eight or something like that. And yet, one of the things that I share with my wife, because she's now retired and she spends most of her time at home, uh, is taking care of her and and doing the thing, giving her the things that she needs as much uh, to the best of my ability. I put it that way, um, you know, so that 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 she feels and I hope that she does feel that she is loved. She's cared for. Uh, I look out for her safety. Um, uh, I don't let her drive because of uh, the disability and she gets a little upset about that. And I said, look, I'm just, I'm not trying to control you. I'm trying to keep you safe. You know, that kind of thing. I like to think I'm not doing any gaslighting. And yet there have been times when I've been accused of gaslighting. So I'm wondering about some of these, some of these attributes of someone who is in, in a codependent relationship at whatever level. Um, would you say that we all exhibit one, maybe one of these, if not more of these attributes that if we're not careful, could lead us down that codependent road? You know, that's exactly what I was talking about. And sometimes we even take turns. I mean, we're talking about relationships my husband and I, I put him through law school, and now he's supporting what I'm doing. So sometimes you do have to be an, in a role, but it doesn't have to be permanent. 
and taking turns in, in a relationship or with your family. Sometimes it is necessary, but to be in that one place is where the problems begin. And by the way, it is very difficult. You know, we choose our partners because they're familiar mm-hmm. uh, and they are people that uh, we couldn't do anything about when we were a child uh, because uh, our parents were the authority. He said, all right, this person has my father's traits. Traits. He never listened to me. I never was able to say and do anything I wanted to with my career, whatever. I'm going to get this person who reminds me of my father to do it for me. Then this guy comes into your life. He's clueless. He has no idea. Of, and you're on an unconscious level, don't even know why you picked him. And then what does happen is that conflict begins. So you're looking, you're looking for someone to be a caretaker for you. When this person maybe is not oriented in that direction. So it's something that you imagine from your past. So it's also an imagination. Sometimes it's not even real. But when you want that and the conflicts begin, problems begin. So you really have to know how to fix what it is that you need on your own, not through somebody else, not through somebody fixing it because they are familiar. We do marry people very similar to our past. So that's another uh, uh, topic that's being brought up because we repeat our behavior and it's very difficult to disconnect from that because it's the essence of how we think. So we need to change our thinking so we behave differently. What does this do for the other person? Are you enabling another person to do the wrong thing? Are you enabling that other person to be a victim? What is your role in this? It's not necessarily good. Being a caregiver does not necessarily mean that you're doing the right thing for another person. So it's not caregiver positive and taker negative. Both of them have nothing to do with being focused on where you're going, what you need. Again, it doesn't mean that sometimes you can't play that role because in life, as you say, things happen and you don't have a choice. When there are catastrophes or health issues, you have to run to the to the uh, situation to make sure that you're doing the right thing. But don't stay in that situation. Don't don't, don't uh, forget that everybody has <clears throat> their back and forth, their flow back and forth. I'll drink some water. This is actually a candle, but whatever. We are <laughs> we are talking uh, with Dr. Uh, Frida Birnbaum. Uh, Dr. Uh, Birnbaum is uh, is a PhD a doctor. She is a research psychologist as well as a, a psychoanalytic therapist um, in um, it's uh, Saddle River, New Jersey, all the way back east. And uh, she's an award winning author of Life Begins at 60. It's a new view of motherhood, marriage, and investing ourselves. Re, I'm sorry, reinventing ourselves. And then also another book called What Price Power An In Depth Study of the Professional Woman in a Relationship. Two uh, very interesting books I'm sure you'll want to pick up by going to her website, which is Dr. Frida.com. That's D-R-F-R-I-E-D-A.com. We hope that you'll go there. We'll be linked to your website too, by the way, doctor, uh, so people can find out more about you and the work you're doing, as well as uh, maybe even get a copy uh, of the book. And uh, we certainly hope that folks will do that. 
one of the uh, other aspects um, <clears throat> that I'd like to to bring up, and I, I know that there are all these different uh, different attributes to someone who's in a codependent relationship, and sometimes it's hard to get out of them because you don't know what's out there in the void. If let's say you finally decide I've had enough, I can't live with this person. I refuse to be a martyr to continue doing this. I have to leave this situation, whether it's for that matter, quitting a job because you're maybe you're in a codependent relationship at work, let alone at home. And the void is, is of course that unknown. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? How am I going to support myself and so forth and so on? Um, what do you, how do you, help and support individuals through that process because that can't be an easy decision to make and at the same time staying as as much as you would say well you know well, you've been here for 10 years what's the big deal just keep going you know you'll be all right and it's like yeah but they're not but they've given up self you know, and that's, by the way, one of the things people have said to me over and over again throughout the years, you know, as much as you love your wife, and that's great that you do, make sure you take care of you. So what about that in terms of that aspect of taking care of self? Yeah, well, a lot of people don't know what that means. That's the problem. And we're talking about not this situation. We're talking about all the way into their childhood, which means that you have to reparent that person. I mean, I've had people that came in who thought so little of themselves uh, that uh, they were, you know, in relationships where their partner was having an affair, disrespected them, disrespected themselves. So it's a matter of how you treat yourself first before how you treat someone else. Mm -hmm. And when you have that kind of uh, observation about yourself, then you can go ahead and pick and sometimes you have to pick other people than your family. Uh, your family can be very toxic. You can pick strangers that are good to you uh, to become your family. So you have to be able to reorganize who you are and say to yourself, okay, this was unhealthy, but it feels comfortable. The unhealthy doesn't mean that it's not going to feel good. It doesn't mean that it's not going to feel familiar. So we keep repeating that because it's a state that we know of, what mm -hmm. we know about. And when you get out of that state and you look at yourself and say, hey, wait a minute, uh, I have opportunities, I have abilities, and all the negativity about yourself that you're trying to get from someone else to say, you're okay, you're not a bad person, because the more you give, the more they're going to like you. And when you have that and you give that, then all of a sudden you don't need that from anybody else. And I find it in here with me always when you choose the wrong person, it's because you see yourself the wrong way. And a, a lot of people come to me and there's a program that I'm working on. It's called If I Only Knew, which means that how do you pick someone if you are healthy? What do you look for in another person that's going to be appropriate 
uh, for your partnership and for your own self-esteem. Uh, if somebody doesn't uh, tell you the truth, if somebody has secrets, uh, if someone has had bad past relationships, uh, if somebody is always uh, complaining uh, and, and not agreeing with the way you're living your life, all these red flags have to come into play because otherwise you're setting it up for yourself to be in a situation that's going to be repeating what you had in the past. Don't repeat what you had in the past. You have to be brave. You have to take a chance. You have to see yourself move emotionally like you're moving physically. And, you know, any change is hard. Any change is stressful. But it doesn't mean that at the in the long run, you're going to end up, you're not going to end up in a better place. You'll absolutely be able to see that you're finally going to grow because a good relationship, a good partner, a good family wants to see you grow, wants to help promote you individually, not be promoted by you. And sometimes, as I said before, you have to do it back and forth. It's not only one-sided. You take turns. Uh, my husband, I put my husband through law school uh, and that was something I knew to be temporary. Then he helped me uh, go into a field with for my PhD. That was something. So that back and forth really helps you to grow and to balance you. But you first you have to have the feeling of what it's like to feel good. You know, a lot of people come to my office and say, "I don't know what I want. I don't know who I am. I don't know what to what it feels like to feel good." This they have never had those experiences. But once you have it then you build up on it and you never want to go back to that other place before because people get comfort, get used to feeling negative. They get used to feeling victimized, as we spoke about, and getting other people to say, oh, poor you, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it work. And after a while, they also lose that self-esteem that they can actually do it. They don't even think they can do it on their own. And that's when codependency comes in. They feel mm. other people can do it for them because they lose that sense of self. And after a while, they really don't even have an identity at all. The person they're with has their identity. And that's when it becomes dangerous. Yeah. It's uh, it's really, uh, it's an unfortunate situation that some of us have found ourselves in. I think I've been rather fortunate. Uh, I interviewed my parents back in 2015 on this program. And uh, one of the things that they shared with me was somewhat what you just described with your your husband. Uh, my mother said that, you know, we each had our own individual uh, dreams and aspirations and desires, and we supported one another in those. And I think that what epitomizes it is the next phrase that my mother used. She says, I have his back and I know he has mine. And I think maybe that's part of what's missing today is that we don't know that in relationship. I've got co-worker. I've had one coworker. He's a part-timer here at the station that I work for. He's got my back. I know he does. Does he catch every single thing that uh, he's been catching over the years for me that that's helped me to make sure that, that uh, we stay on the air and that the programming is on target and all those kinds of things. No, because it's not his job, but I appreciate when he does. And I don't criticize him. Why didn't you tell me that this was a problem? No, it's not his job, but I appreciate 
the fact that he does what he does in that regard. Uh, so um, I'm curious as to how does one, if if you can share this with us, how does one begin the process of fostering that in a relationship? We were talking about a relationship that's not superficial, uh, a relationship that has depth and what to look for. Uh, there are certain religions that they actually have you look for the history of the parents and who the parents are and do the parents get along and how were the children raised and what are their concepts and their values, and their standards. And it sounds like so unromantic, but those relationships happen to last because in life things happen and you have to have someone who's going to be able to say, I can persevere for you. I'm strong enough to do it for you. And today in our media, um, what people are watching, these reality dating shows mm -hmm. are all superficial. It's all about looks and having fun and exchanging partners. And how long is that going to last? Uh, not too long because uh, the romantic stage is about three years at the most. And then you're in reality. You have uh, work, you have money to deal with, health to deal with, all kinds of things and people don't look for that and that's what we really need to look for uh is there is that person emotionally solid uh that is that person going to be faithful is that person uh going to have your back as you spoke uh, as far as knowing the essence of who you are isn't that who you really are anyway mm -hmm. uh, and so we're looking for the wrong things today and there's uh, there are problems with where we're going. Originally, uh, it was so simple. Um, a man married a woman, and uh, it was uh, his role. He worked. She stayed home with the kids. And then as we evolved and women are, are working and 60% and, uh, uh, college students are female, um, we have uh, decided that uh, equality is important, which it is. But then again, 40% of marriages fail. Mm. So what is really going on here that we don't have that connection and sometimes having roles and having expectations from each other are very important. And today, everything is so muffled, muddled together that um, nobody feels uh, satisfied because they're looking for the wrong things. And it's too easy to find somebody else if there's a little problem instead of working it through. So we're talking about uh, narcissism at its peak today. You know, I, 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 I want, not we, we, we. And uh, everyone is uh, depleted and everyone feels empty and everyone feels they didn't get. And then when we're talking about victimization, when you're uh, younger, we bring that into that pattern. So we have to be able to see that what we want is something from ourselves and what we need is to have that depth of a relationship. So we have to start from the very beginning of codependency and that beginning is to know what to look for, to know who to pick. And then you can't blame that other person because you picked that person for a reason. Just like I was saying, I, I was laughing before. Yeah, I picked my husband because I thought he needed me. That's why I picked him. I had other guys who were interested in me, who had a lot to offer, but they didn't really need me. 
So mm. he needed me and uh, I've suffered since, but not really. But, you know, it's been a role that we've continued uh, to play. So you have to really look at it in a mature adult way. Attraction is important, of course, but that's not the whole package. What is your role going to be like afterwards? Are you going to be somebody who's going to be able to be who you are? Or is this expectation of who you are going to be different? And you're going to have to change for that person. Once you change for that person and you lose the essence of who you are, that's the red flag. If that person is narcissistic, if people say you're not acting yourself, uh, what's wrong? If that person is keeping you away from your friends and your family or is blaming you for things that you didn't even do, watch out. This is where you're entering a codependency phase because you're going to be looking for it to that person and saying, are you happy now? Am I doing the right things now? Mm -hmm. And by the way, often this person doesn't want to go to therapy because they have an agenda. They don't want to change. Yeah. They want it this way. They want to control. They'll have affairs. They'll go out with their friends. They won't make future plans with you. You'll just be out in the cold and in the dark. And they'll never be satisfied. It'll never be enough. So the person with this codependency stage will fall right into it. Oh, I can fix it. I'll change it. I'll, I'll make him happy. He's not happy. I will do it. I would. And a lot of women, by the way, are very challenged by men who are difficult to take care of. I will be the one that's going to change them. I want that challenge. I'm going to be number one. Other people can't do it, but I'm special. No, that person doesn't want to change. That's the problem. And then the relationship starts and all kind of conflict. And then often there's divorce because it can't be fixed. And they don't want to go to therapy either. These people who are narcissistic, uncontrolling, do not want to go to therapy because they don't want to change. They'd rather not stay in the marriage. Is it possible to have one individual in a relationship uh, be the codependent and the other one not, or at least not exhibiting the majority of those, um, we'll call them attributes. I was going to call them symptoms, and that may be more accurate. Uh, but is that possible to where uh, I, I'm the kind of guy who... Though I exhibit certain attributes, which my father taught me about how, you know, I open the door for my wife, the car door, the front door, whatever the case, we're going into a building, going into a store. I open the door for her. That's what I do. It just, I don't know that it's chivalry. It's just, I'm just being kind to her. I'm showing her uh, respect in that regard. I like cooking some things. Uh, you know, I, I probably would be demoted to sous chef or less, uh, but I try, I give it a shot. Uh, my wife does a, a lot of the cooking most of the time. I don't have a problem doing the dishes, doing the laundry, as well as cutting the firewood for the fireplace and cutting down the weeds to keep the fires away from the, the house and so forth and so on. Um, and yet I'm also one who says too. And this is, I know, part of the problem that you've talked about here. <clears throat> I deal with an issue where I hear you're not happy. I can't make you happy. There's nothing I can do that will 
make you happy. That is a choice that you make. And this is what I tell this person all the time. That I am seeking out my own happiness through the things that I do in my life. What I'm doing right now makes me very happy. This is this is thrilling for I love doing this. Among and then there are other things too. Talk to us about that aspect of uh, uh, someone. I, I, I don't even know if the right word is leaning. It almost sounds uh, too lenient, so to speak. Uh, no pun intended. Um, uh, on another person for what they want, like happiness. Please, uh, 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 Frida, make me happy. I'm trying. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to tell you to stop. Stop trying to make me happy because it's not your job. See, that was a slip, a Freudian slip. I love it. I love it. Go ahead, please. You know, listen, let's face it. You know, what, first of all, what is happiness? Let's, ah, let's, very good. Let's happy. Because, you know, people come in here, they have the wrong idea. Happiness is a fleeting moment. It comes and goes. So don't think you're missing the boat here. Uh, we're talking about contentment. I said, everything okay? Are you uh, in charge as you're talking about? And when talk, and you question the beginning about codependency. Uh, is it one? It can't doesn't have to be both. No. And sometimes one person wants the other person to be codependent, and the other person wants to be codependent. So they're in it together, but that one person is codependent. So a lot of stuff goes on with where you are. But the one thing that resonated that you said, you're responsible for yourself. I'm doing my thing. Doesn't mean you're selfish. And often men get the bad rap. You know, you men are to blame. Women don't have the high status. Men are to blame, to blame, to blame for everything. No, you poor guys also want to have a life. You want to do what you want to do. And so women make themselves codependent because they tell the men, take care of me, you owe me. And then mm -hmm. when the man takes care of them, they complain that the man's controlling them. So what the, you know, what do they want? <laughs> it's never good enough. So this codependency comes back to this woman. <laughs> See, now I'm going to blame women. It's about time that they're setting it up to happen. So what you said is very important that you are going to take care of yourself and do what's right for you. How refreshing is that? We don't have enough men saying that. We really don't. We don't have enough men saying, I'm important enough. I don't have to be in the rat race. I don't have to make as much money as possible to make you happy. I'm going to do what's right for me. My mission in life here is to be on board with who I am to be true to myself. Now, if you really care about someone, you'll say, that's great because that's what I want for you. Mm -hmm. But if you're in this relationship that you owe me, that you owe me and you better, that kind of situation, mm -hmm. well, that, that person is not evolved enough. That person is not strong enough on their own to do the right things for themselves. So there's a fear factor that you're not going to carry them all along their lives. Well, guess what? They better get stronger and they better do their right, the right thing for themselves. So what you're doing, instead of enabling someone to be weak, you're saying, no, 
I'm not going to let you do this. You you have to be what I am or it's not going to work for you. It's up to you. So this is beautiful. You're setting a great example and not enough men are doing this. Dr. Frieda Birnbaum is my guest and uh, you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. We're talking about codependency codependency right now. It's uh, one of the areas of her expertise. She's an expert on topics such as family dynamics, uh, parenthood, relationships, addiction, anxiety, and depression. Uh, She's a seasoned media personality, as uh, you can certainly attest to folks as you listen, as well as a commentator who is adept at... um, deciphering the psychological underpinnings of current issues and pursuing the psychological profiles of various uh, newsmakers, politicians, celebrities, criminals, etc. I had heard you because you mentioned narcissism a little while ago, and I actually interviewed someone who wrote a book about it. And what I found fascinating in the conversation was um, as as bad as we perceive a narcissist to be, there is still much we can learn from a narcissist. And that was a bitter pill for me to swallow because after the um, the announcement in June of 2015, and I tried to stay away from politics and I got sucked in in September of 2016, trying to, or 2015, trying to, uh, yeah, it was 16. It was September of 2016. Trying not to do this. And it took me six months to get unsucked. But the first step I had to say was, thank you, teacher, for teaching me how not to be. And then I moved into three other steps. Um, What about that aspect of someone in, in, in the area of, of codependency? Is it just to learn what not to do, or are there some? Are there any positives, some pros, uh, to <laughs> if there are any uh, to codependency? Well, you know, guess what? Best presidents are narcissists. They have to be. They're full of themselves, and they have to have feel that they're powerful. I mean, Trump, believe it or not, was a wonderful president because he's the top narcissist there is, and uh, he was tough. And people want that kind of strong leadership. Yes. So to have that is important. Uh, when my husband turned 50, I bought him a motorcycle because I wanted him to have a center. And I wanted him to feel that when we got married, uh, that he didn't have to give anything up. He could be who he is. So he's into all kinds of hobbies, trains, uh, painting. Uh, I mean, you name it. Wow. Yeah. Whatever it is, whatever you want to do, except don't be unfaithful. That's one thing. Because oh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. intimacy is very important. Yeah. But uh, so, yes. Yeah, so being narcissistic, uh, if you don't hurt anybody else, uh, if you don't just have your own, you know, tune t- and, and, and tune out everybody else, there's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. It doesn't mean it has to be a negativity. Uh Seeing yourself as important enough, seeing yourself as having obligations to yourself, then you go ahead when you're contented with who you are. That's different than taking advantage of someone and say, you better do everything for me because I'm so important. No, it's the other way around. When you give to yourself, then you can give to other people. 
that's the way it goes. You know, on the airplane, mm-hmm. what do they do? Give your uh, put the uh, whatever air oxygen on first. Mm-hmm. Give to yourself, man mm-hmm. or woman. Then you have the capacity. You don't have that emptiness. You don't have that void. Then you can give even more than somebody who doesn't have narcissism in there. So you're absolutely right. There's a positive spin to this as well. Mm. You do have to think something of yourself. And you know, if you don't respect yourself, who's going to respect you? Nobody. True. That is true. Now, there's another subject that you uh, you also deal with, along with, uh, of course, anxiety, depression, family dynamics, parenting, suicide, addiction, relationships, psychological uh, profiles. I left one out because I wanted to focus on this because of where we're where we have gone with this conversation. And that is the issue of bullying. And that was the one thing, all politics aside, irrelevant. I did not want a bully as a president. Uh, Yeah, strong individual. But what I heard and saw was a bully and I didn't want that. Um. So uh, I'm wondering, because not all narcissists are bullies, are they? It's interesting. You know, I was watching Robert Kennedy Jr. Mm -hmm. And he had so much information about the vaccine, about Israel, about everything. So you know what? It's interesting. I never heard so much information from the people who are nominated who are pe- from the people who are running? Mm-hmm. I mean, Trump, all he's all he can tell you is afterwards whose wife looks horrible and and nickname people and you know like what are we in, in second grade here? Yeah. So that's right. I mean, that is that that's what we walk away with. Yeah, him. that's what I have to say. That's what hurt me. And and there was an experience. It was the next year, uh, 2015. He announced, and it was the next year, still in the campaign, but it yeah. was in the summer. And he was in Phoenix, Arizona at a church. And because of my own political persuasion, which is independent, I, you know, I don't, I don't uh, cotton to either party. I find them both irreprehensible, but be that as it may, what really hurt me, the way they were describing the events there in my hometown, I would not have been welcomed in that auditorium. Would not have been, and that hurt that I could not even attend something like that, having different, different views. And this is just as a person, not, not having anything to do with politics. And this is part of, uh, part of where we are today in this country with a lot of this problem. Do you think that, that this divide that we have, does that, does that play at all into this issue of codependency? You know, when we look, when we go in out of space and we look at the little earth that we were in, how stupid it is. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're so small in comparison to everything else, you know, like, well, how petty can you get? Don't you have anything else to think about? Yeah. You know, when, so what was your question to answer your question about, do you think what I want to specifically answer? Cause I'm going off into something else. I want to make sure I'm answering. Well, this. I'm just wondering if, <clears throat> if, if there's an attribute or an aspect to codependency that is being, I guess maybe the word is exacerbated, you know, um, by uh, this, this, this divide that we have in, in, in this country. And it's not just, 
uh, on political lines. It's cro- it's cost- crossing over into scientific lines. And of course, I worked for a Christian station for 15 years, and that's that divide is still there. You know, if you don't believe the way that I believe, uh, then you're wrong. Uh, or even uh, the economy. I mean, there are people who take a look at the numbers. That's one of the things I loved about. <laughs> I think it was Will Rogers who said, uh, you can lay economists end to end and they'll all point in different directions. Um, you know, and that's fine because each one of them has their own perspective. But the problem is, is that our perspectives seem to be getting in the way. Does that have anything to do? Does it play any role whatsoever in this aspect of codependency where there are some people who have chosen to side with whoever on whatever the subject is because they don't want to be alone, because they don't want to be left out, uh, because they want to belong to a club, a group, an organization. Um, I'm not one of those people who's been looking for a guru. But I know a lot of people who have found them. And when I, I use that very loosely, guru, very, very loosely. Um, it could be a politician, could be a minister, a pastor, uh, could uh, a teacher that can do no wrong. And certain individuals just tend to follow them. Is that part of the codependent uh, problem yeah. or yeah. issue that our, we're dealing with? Our country with? is such a mess. Our country is such a mess. That when you're talking about codependency and having a leader, who, where, what, I have no idea. We don't even have America anymore. Yeah. We've gone way too global. I don't know what we're doing. We, we have somebody who should be stepping into a nursing home. I'm sorry to say that, not to a, a presidency of the United States. He fumbled. I never saw anybody fall go walking up the steps, but that's something, another talent in itself. <laughs> so, you know, we have, we, we don't have, where is our capitalism? What's going on with that? With the 1%, they're being shunned. Like they should feel guilty, but isn't that what our country was set up to be? Yes, help the poor take care of them but are we going in such a socialism uh, slant here mm. with with who we are so codependency we don't even have a recognition we're, we're just so muffled uh with everything uh what is right and what is wrong we need to be able to say that america has a leadership role, which we are losing more and more as we're going on. So there's no codependency here. All these dictators out there are taking over. Uh, hopefully, they're not going to be coming in here, and they're going to be the ones that we're codependent on to save us, because there's nobody now saving us at all. Donald Trump, who, you know, I had a patient walk out on me because I said, he said, Donald Trump will bring World War Three. And I said, I don't think so. And then he said to me, for someone so smart, you're so stupid. And he left. He wouldn't talk to me. Yeah. So, you know, this is where we, it's its silly. The whole thing is is silly. And uh, we really have to regain uh, what America is and our leadership role. And yes, we've gone so global that what's happening everywhere is happening here. Yeah. And we have to be careful, even with Israel, with Hamas what's going on uh, they're coming they're they're warning because one of their leaders were killed that now we're going to be responsible we in america are going to be responsible for what the people in israel did over there so it, it's you know codependency has become and as i'm talking i'm realizing what the answer is 
We're too codependent on one another in a way that we're victimized. No one's taking a role of saying, hey, let's get back to the way things were. Let's be a civilized country and let's have the right answers because people are not functioning today economically, uh, politically. I mean, across the board, you name it. There's nobody to look at. So there's codependency and narcissism, what, wherever that is, we don't have any place to say, this is where we can feel comfortable. This is who we can elect. Mm-hmm. We don't have those kind of opportunities. So everything is a blur right now. There's nothing that's too defined. With the way our country is seen in the world, we've really become a weak link. We're not the people that people are looking up to anymore. And that's pretty scary. And that's very sad because in the past, we used to have the answers. We don't now. We have to pick different leaders. So far, leaders, I don't know, Robert Kennedy Jr. was brilliant when he was speaking the other day. Mm. If you listen to him, at least he has some answers. He's not mainstream. And he's somebody that we can, by the way, be codependent on. Now, if we have the right president, being codependent is not the wrong thing. It's not because we Mm. do need somebody that we can trust. We don't have that right now. So maybe being a narcissistic president and being a codependent citizen together may be a good connection. Who knows? I will say that I'm tired of the old guys and gals running the show, whether it's uh, the legislative or the executive or for that matter, even the judiciary. Um, we need young people. Young, we need we need new blood uh, in all these chambers uh, with new ideas, because what seems to be happening and this is sort of a codependency on ideas. We seem to be in a in a in a cycle of insanity because we seem to do the same thing over and over again. We blame others for our circumstances. When I heard that it it's it's those people over there who are to blame for where we are today. It's like, no, it's not. We did this to ourselves. This is nobody else's if again, this is assuming you think that there's serious problems, we did it to ourselves. Now, I'm a guy that likes to think of the glass half full. My question is, what is the glass half full of? And that's the beauty of it. You get to choose. In my case, it would be maybe a little Irish cream, hot cocoa, that kind of thing. But I'm a very optimistic person. And that's why when I hear uh, all of this uh, this commentary and rhetoric uh, from specifically our politicians, but other other uh, places as well, that, you know, you know, it's gone to hell in a handbasket. I'm just sitting here going, well, then let's all just give up. Let's just throw our hands up and just, uh, you know, walk into the sea like lemmings. Because it's over, because you say it's it's a terrible place. It is not. That's the whole reason why you do what you do. That's why you try to help people to work through this issue of codependency. And we encourage people to get a hold of you, Dr. Frida Birnbaum. Again, uh, Dr. Uh, um, Frida.com. That's D-R-F-R-I. Beg your pardon? One quick thing I want to tell you before. Sure. No, go right ahead. I, I just wanted to let people know of your website. 
I just want to tell you before, I wasn't sure if I was finishing, but, you know, codependency, when we talk about Mm -hmm. and blaming other people for our problems, isn't that how propaganda starts? Oh, yeah. Hitler started with propaganda. So we have to be very careful. The messages we're giving out today mm-hmm. with what's happening with Israel and Palestinians and the Hamas, that we should give the right messages because we could easily go into that place of propaganda and really start globally when we're talking about codependency. Yeah what that word can mean. So I had to interrupt you because this is such an important, strong message to give. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I mean, and to that specific conflict, they're both wrong. They are both in the wrong because they're using a method. I don't care what the reasons are. They're using a method that's never worked. It only destroys. That's all it does. And this country has done that over the decades. Uh, and we need to find new solutions. You've heard it before, I'm sure. Uh, Einstein said that you cannot solve uh, or deal with a challenge, I'm using the word challenge, with the same consciousness that created it. And so we need new new people in, in those seats, whether it be uh, in government, in religion, in economics, in education, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, on infinitum. Um, and and I, I have to say that one of the interesting uh, studies that was just completed, they just released this report, and this is regards to alcohol, that the young people of today, the majority of them, they're either cutting back or they're staying away from alcohol. They just have no interest in it. And I'm just sitting here going, hooray for them. Uh, because it's, it's been, that's one of the, I think some of the statistics, and again, I don't have the numbers, but I've heard it said that, um, uh, alcohol is the cause of more deaths in this country through various means than pretty much any other, um, element that, that, that exists today. And I'm not, I'm not advocating prohibition. Don't get me wrong, but I find it interesting that our society and the young people who are obviously younger than me, sound, I have to say that sounds weird for me to be saying that because I was one of them, uh, those young people not that long ago. Uh, but I find that interesting that they're making their own choices, their own decisions. They're not relying on anybody else to tell them that, okay. that you know, it, as my father, my late father always said, eat, drink and be merry in moderation because nobody gets out of this world alive. Nobody gets out alive. And by the way, being a nerd today, talking about drinking, is being cool. So things have changed. Yeah. The way our, our our children are looking at life in a way that makes sense, much more mature, much more responsible. They want to get the grades. They want to get computer science, whatever it is they're doing. And drinking is something to, to them that is not really fun. They'd rather go play tennis. I'm not kidding. Uh, they'd rather my kids p- play piano, whatever that is. So when we're talking about uh, codependency, they're finding their own rhythm and their own life. Drinking is just a distraction and codependency for yourself and building up the right qualities. Yeah. You won't need anybody else to do that for you. Yeah. I have, um, and I think that's fantastic. And I, I, I applaud them, those who have made that choice. 
you you can choose to change the choice anytime you want because that's what it's all about uh you know we're making choices and 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 here on this program we're giving people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make their dreams come true by providing them with information for example that you are sharing with us here about codependency and the the various aspects thereof um one of the other things that I was going to ask you about, and uh, boy, I should have asked you about it about 15 seconds ago because it just, it's gone. Uh, I uh, The universe, by the way, asks the questions. I'm just along for the ride. So just to bear that in mind. I want to thank you, uh, by the way, uh, Dr. Frida Birnbaum, for joining us here on the program, sharing with us your insights uh, into codependency and its inf- its effects on us as individuals and uh, and our society as well as the world. We also encourage you folks to um, go to her website, which is dr. Frida. That's f r i e d a dot com. You can also uh, pick up a couple. She's got a couple of books. Uh, Life begins at sixty. It's a new view of motherhood, marriage, and relation. Uh, I, I said it again. Reinventing ourselves. And the other book is What Price Power? Uh, an in-depth study of uh, the professional woman in a relationship. And that's to me the other another uh, subject that we could get into on another program. In this whole thing about uh, women pursuing what they want to do. And I just think about that in terms of uh, this whole aspect of how is it that a woman has been getting paid less for the exact same job as a man? I have to tell you that it makes no sense to me. I, I, I cannot wrap my brain around that other, you know, other than, of course, the guys at the top, whoever's doing the hiring and what have you just decides, okay, he's worth a heck of a lot more than she is because whatever the, and it's like, no, that, you know, that's why I wish resumes didn't come with names. They came with numbers. (laughs) Well, today women, uh, you know, we're naming our children uh, neutral names for that reason itself, by the way, because of this. this Wow. I yes. was not aware of that. Yeah, it's really thinking things are really changing yeah. as, uh, as gender idea. Even uh, when children are born, they don't even put the sex on it hmm. to wait and see what they decide. I mean, it's really wild what's going on out there the, with the gender ID. Yes, it's true. I mean, there used to be a time when women uh, weren't hired because of their menstrual period. They'll be taking off, believe it or not, yeah. <laughs> or they're, they're going to have a family. They're going to be leaving us. Yeah. Uh, so, and a man has to raise a family. So, a man has a family. He has to raise the family. He needs to get more. A yeah. woman is going to leave for the family. She should be getting less. So, it's always, you know, if a woman used to work and she used to be a mother, uh, then she was selfish because she had a career. And a man who did the same thing, he was a father and he had a career, he was considered a family man. So there were yeah. different words used, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, to imply a different things that often yeah. the society. And, yeah. And you could even go into the emotional area. You know, a guy who gets angry, he's just expressing himself. A woman who's angry, she's gone gone off a rocker. She's hysterical. It's crazy. Like, Seriously? <laughs> or if a man who cries, uh, there's something wrong with him. But a woman... You know, that's 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 OK. That's uh, that's part of the the female norm. It's like, wait a minute. I feel like crying right now and I'm a guy. 
Uh, so, you know, and I'll, I, I will from time to time, but I'll go over in the corner. <laughs> I remember my very, first general manager. Okay. yeah, my very first general manager, when I was having a problem, for example, uh, and things weren't going quite right at the radio station that I was working for. And she says, okay, uh, don't, don't get into the pity party of, you know, don't get into your own pity party right now. Let's, let's fix the problem. Okay. Get back into your brain, get back into your intellect and let's resolve this. Then when we've done that, you can go over in the corner and you can have your own little pity party if you want. Uh, so she gave me permission, <laughs> which I did not do because we solved, we solved the issue, but uh, it's really unfortunate that we have those, those stereotypes. And I, uh, I think that um, as you just uh, alluded, things are changing. They're constantly changing. And that's one of the things I know that a lot of people have trouble with is the fact that, uh, our life is constantly in motion, in change, and somehow uh, we have. Maybe I'm, I'm thinking too that in in the in the aspect of codependency, it's like you said earlier, uh, the person in that kind of a relationship, it becomes comfortable, it becomes familiar, uh, and it's just easier um, to to stay in that state of. I'm going to use the term confusion. In one of the programs that I went through, one of the uh, personal growth programs back in the 80s, uh, Lifespring, which was an outgrowth of Est, uh, they talked about they talked about the state of confusion, uh, that uh, the state of confusion, it's a comfortable place to be, but you don't accomplish anything. Nothing gets done. And um, so uh, that's one of the things that uh, that we try to share on this program is that you don't have to stay there. There are so many options, some of which you don't even know about yet. And that's what we try to bring to this program uh, uh, that uh, here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, we have been talking with uh, with Dr. Frida Birnbaum. And uh, I want to thank you for sharing so much time with us. Wow. Uh, a whole lot of time here. Thank you so much. I do have three final questions that I do want to ask you. But again, I thank you so much for giving us so much time here on the program. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Mondays at 1 a.m. and 9 a.m. on Wednesdays with our special five-day-a-week broadcast from 8 to 9 a.m. And uh, then we have the podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. We're also on YouTube where you can watch these conversations, and I hope you will. Subscribe and click on notifications so that when a new conversation is posted, you can go up and you can listen. I hope that you will do that. We also ask if you can help us out financially. We would be so gratefully appreciated, appreciative, that's the word, uh, appreciative of your support of what we're doing here. If you want to be a part of that, go to PayPal and type in Richard at RichardDugan.com is the email address. And uh, any amount is, is welcome. We'll take energetic support as well. And also spend some time going within during this, the decade of perfect vision. Just sit quietly, peacefully. You can call it meditation. You can call it prayer. You don't have to call it anything, just doing it and listening to that still small voice. I'm still waiting for uh, the voice of my sister. 
I get impressions from my father. I get chuckles from my best friend and my intuition. I call my friend uh, guides me daily. And the more I do it, the more second nature it becomes. And I hope that you will uh, take some time during this decade to do just that. With all that being said, we now move to our final three questions for our very special guest here on the program. And the first of our three questions is, who is Frida Birnbaum? Well, Frida Birnbaum, let's see, who am I? I was switched at birth. My mother took a couple days to see if she wanted to take me back because the lady who took me in Germany was wealthy and we did not grow up in a wealthy family, but we were very happy. My mother kept me, I'm happy to say, and we were very happy and I supported her and my father always. Um, let's see, who am I? Always very ambitious. Um, went back to school after I had my two children, uh, waited for them to go to school. Um, and I have, uh, been uh, lucky enough to have a wonderful family and husband and a, a, a huge practice that I had to cut down a little bit because I was so busy uh, with uh, writing another book. Um, who am I really? I have no idea. Well, I'm somebody who really enjoys uh, doing something that's different so uh, I enjoy different types of people. I have like four different sets of different types of friends, uh, you know, that would probably not get along well with one another. Um, and um, I've never been uh, accepted for what I've done because there was always some kind of stigma. I had children and I went to school. At my time, people didn't do that. Um, they thought I was a horrible mother because uh, I did that. And then uh, I went ahead and I uh, pursued a career uh, in psychology that took a lot of my time. Uh, and they thought that I was being somebody selfish because there were mostly men in, in that career. Um, also, I uh, was on a radio show, Three Million People for Discrimination, that I was always supporting, um, especially young black men who were ex extremely accomplished that people don't talk about. So I thought that was a good place to be uh, on. And I have a podcast, uh, the Dr. Frida Show, D-O-C-T-O-R. I'm doing that now too. And I'm writing another book. And I guess it's, I always have to, I have to do more. And I'm the oldest woman to have children, 60 in America. That's another the twins, as a matter of fact. Twins, 16, right? Yeah, they're beautiful boys, six mm. feet, handsome, gorgeous, honor roll. I mean, I couldn't ask for a better situation. I'm blessed mm. to have that. Um, five children. Um, what else do I have going for me? That's about <laughs> it. And I live in the beautiful suburbs of New Jersey. Is that enough? I don't uh, that's, that's plenty if you'd like to add more. But uh, our second question. What gets you up every day? A purpose. I have to have a purpose. I've tried not having a purpose. I have tried going to the supermarket, putting on my sweats and saying, you know what? I'm going to be like everybody else. It never really worked. I would go to sleep. and I say, this is it. That's the end of the day. No, I have to have something that is going to stimulate other people, ideas out there. 
uh, talking about uh, interviewing immigrants that live in this country. Uh, what is how are they assimilating? Or um, women who have men's careers. And I went in and I did that uh, interviewing those people. So I always have to have something that is going to present a different uh, theme to other people to see people think. I love it when people come in to see me. And right away, I don't believe in, although people have been with me for 20 years, that's not because they're still waiting to be fixed. It's because they keep, you know, we have to, there's always stuff in our life that we have to keep coping. But so I love to see the progress uh, that people make uh, in my practice. Uh, that's a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I just believe in being true to the people around you. Uh, doing all the things so there's never any regrets because as you said we don't live forever when you look back uh, you did all the right things for the people that were important to you in your life it's one beautiful thing i can say as far as my father is concerned it is his passing as we had nothing left unsaid so i have no regrets there final question what was your best day ah my best day Wow. You're tough. See, I had so much to say, but when it comes to talking about me, um, what was my best day? Well, the two things. First of all, my best day is by my, my kids are doing well. They're thriving. Um, the people that I care about are happy and I'm getting along with them. Um, that uh, I focus on internal cues rather than external cues about what I need to do. Like I'll get up and say, oh, I don't want to go outside and walk, but you know, it's good for you. Things like that and what you should do, not what you want to do basically is very important to me. Um, but uh, most of all, knowing that the people I care about are happy. Mm. If they're happy, that's my best day. Well, uh, Dr. Frida Birnbaum, I want to thank you so much for giving us this time and sharing with us your story about uh, this issue that uh, certainly isn't going to go away any go away anytime soon. But at the same time, you're doing what you can to help those who recognize that they're in that kind of situation, that kind of relationship, uh, who want to get out of it. Uh, there are steps, uh, and maybe what we can do is maybe have you back, especially uh, with your second book uh, when that uh, comes out. Uh, we can talk about that as well. So again, thank you so much for, uh, for sharing life, with us. Life begins at any age. See, I'm changing it to that. I That's love it. Perfect. I love it. Love you. Thank you so much. A pleasure talking to you. Really and to you. stimulating. Absolutely. Thank you. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to Lal. Jeanette, I am still listening. Dad, continue to be happy because I am. Smokey, I will see you on the other side. And to my dear friend Zorro, aho, aho. <laughs>